I want us to look in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And I'm continuing my series entitled Fearless, Fearless. And we're looking at the life of David. And we're discovering that David was a man after God's own heart. And we're discovering that in order for us to understand who God is in our life, what God's will is for our life, we need to pursue God like David pursued God in a, in a way in which they, that the Lord would say David was a man after God's own heart. And one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart wasn't because he was perfect, but was because he embraced the full redemptive grace and work of God in his life. And he was willing to obey God. Even when he sinned, he was willing to obey God and work through the process of repentance in his life. And now we find in 1 Samuel chapter 18 that God gives David a friend. His name is Jonathan. And God gives David a friend because he knows that David is about to go through the most difficult time in his life. And so the Bible tells us that Jonathan and David's hearts were knit together and they loved each other like themselves. And now we notice in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5, that it says, whatever mission Saul sent him on, meaning David, David was so successful that Saul gave him the highest rank in his army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his tens of thousands. And he thought, they have credited David with tens of thousands, but with me, with thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The Bible says in verse 8, Saul was very angry at this refrain and displeased him greatly. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul, and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lot. And as usual he did, David, Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. Now, as we look at this story, we notice something really sad. I mean, this is one of the most saddest verses, I believe, in all of the Bible. This is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Because it says Saul was afraid. Saul was afraid of David. Now, I want you to think about the implications of that, that verse. It didn't say Saul was afraid of David because David was evil. It didn't say Saul was afraid of David because David was trying to steal his kingdom. It said Saul was afraid of David because Saul recognized that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him and God was with David. So Saul was actually afraid of David because God was with David and God wasn't with Saul. Now, I think that's such a sad story. Why do I think that's such a sad story? Because instead of Saul falling to his knees and repentant of his sin, instead of Saul 
asking God to restore his true love for God, instead of asking God to do a good work back in his heart again, Saul, the Bible says, became fearful or afraid of David because the spirit of the Lord was on David. Why is this such a sad story? Because here is a young man who could have been one of the greatest kings known to Israel. Here is a young man who could have been the first king of Israel. Here is a young man who could have poured his life into other young men and gone down as being one of the greatest fathers, patriarchs of all of Israel. Instead, the Bible tells us that Saul, even though he started out well, Saul ends up committing suicide at the end of his life. Wow. It's so sad to think about where Saul could have been and where Saul ended up. And in fact, as we look at the scriptures and we look at the story, we find that Saul wasn't always a bad king. He wasn't always a bad person. In fact, he didn't start out being jealous. He didn't start out being insecure. The Bible says that Saul actually was a very obedient person to authority. Saul actually started out obeying his father. Saul came from a very wealthy home, and yet his father said to Saul, I want you to go find the donkeys. And Saul could have argued with his father, but he obediently obeyed authority, and he went out looking for the donkeys. When he, when he went out looking for the donkeys, he found the prophet, the man of God, and the man of God anointed Saul to be king over Israel. Saul was not only a person who was obedient to authority at the beginning, but Saul also was humble in the fact that when they wanted to make him king, Saul said, man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the least of my father's house, and I, I come from the least tribe, and he hid himself in the luggage because he was a humble person. In fact, not only was he humble, but he was also strong, and he had great faith. He was a great warrior. The Bible says that Saul went out, and he actually overcame the Philistines, and he did it with great faith. When the people became afraid, Saul rose up and said, don't be afraid. If God's for us. Nobody can be against us. And God is going to give our enemies into our hands. And in fact, not only was Saul a mighty warrior, but Saul had a forgiven heart in the beginning because there was a group of men who gathered together and said, we don't want Saul to be king. He's from the least tribe, and, and, and he's not worthy to be king, and he can't be our king. And the Bible says that Saul, he kept that. He was a man who contained his emotions at that moment. And the Bible said he went to war. And when he came back, there was a group of people that said, you know, you see those guys, those bums that said that you can't be king? Let's take them and string them up on a tree and let's execute them. And Saul said, not today. No one will die in, in Israel today. This is a great day. It's the day of the Lord. So we know that Saul, in the beginning of his life, Saul had a good character. At least Saul was doing the right thing. Maybe there was something deep in his heart, but Saul was making the right choices. But now Saul comes to the point in his life where jealousy gets a hold of his heart, where insecurity begins to strangle out God's will in his life, God's ways in his life, and Saul becomes an enemy of David. Saul was afraid of David because Saul could recognize that God was with David, that God anointed David. Saul was afraid of David because he could see the blessing of God on David's life. Saul simply became afraid of David because he began to compare himself to David, and he became jealous of David. 
And Saul's fear turns into insecurity, and insecurity turns into jealousy, and jealousy wraps its diabolical tentacles around Saul's heart. And the truth is, this is just another chapter in the life of a man who could have done the right thing, who could have ended up being a great man of God. And the truth is, we find now that Saul is dead on a field. And David finds out that Saul now has been cut down by the Philistines. Saul and his three sons are are killed by the Philistines. And David is loyal to Saul all throughout Saul's life. Think about it for a moment. This is the guy who's trying to kill David. This is the guy who's chasing David down, who's hunting for David in every cave. And if he could find David, he would have killed David. He tried twice while David was playing the liar. And the Bible tells us that David was so loyal to Saul that when he found out that Saul died, the Bible says that David, he called a national fast and mourning, and he writes something very powerful. I want to read it to you. David says of Saul, Saul was a mighty man of God. Notice what he says. He says, a gazelle lies slain on the heights, O Israel, how the mighty have fallen. David goes on to say, mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew or rain, may no showers fall on your fields, for there the the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul, no longer rubbed with oil from the blood of the stain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, the sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life, they were loved and admired. And in death, they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you with scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lay slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan. Jonathan, you are my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. And my friend, the truth is, in life, you and I will either be a Saul or a David. In life, you and I will either be a Saul or a David. Both David and Saul started out good. Both David and Saul started out anointed by the Spirit of God. Both David and Saul were obedient to authority. Both David and Saul were mighty warriors, people of faith. And the truth is, it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. Come on. And all those that are getting water baptized today, some of you are young. And the truth is, it's not how you start the race today, it's how you finish the race. And I have seen people get water baptized, make a a statement of faith, only to fall away, only to go a different direction. But Jesus tells us if we want to be his disciple, we must pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and come follow him. And we need to live a life of obedience to God because God is calling you to a higher place. God has a plan for your life, and it's big, young people. God has a plan for your life, water baptismal candidates. And it's not how you start the race, but it's how you finish the race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
Paul tells us it's not how you start the race, but it's how you finish the race. So run in a way that you're the only one who's going to get the prize. Keep yourself fit. Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't be like Saul, who started well but ended disastrously. And while David faced the physical giant called Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Bible tells us that David faced Goliath, a physical giant. Saul faced an inner giant. And I want to tell you, young people today, I want to tell you baptismal candidates, the greatest challenges you will have in life is what's happening on the inside. The greatest challenge you will have in your life is what you're telling yourself, what you're believing about what God has said about you, what you're believing about what God wants to do in your life. Your inner self will be the greatest challenge that you will have in your life. And I believe the inner giants are much harder to take down than our outer giants in our life. The Bible tells us many a man has fallen because of their inner giants in their life. The inner giant of lust, the the inner giant of insecurity, the inner giant of pride, the inner giant of self-dependency, as the Bible tells us that God said to the people of Israel, when you come into the promised land, don't ever forget that it was I who brought you out of Egypt into the promised land. When you become wealthy and you become rich, don't ever forget it was I that gave you the wealth and the riches. Don't ever let your heart get to the place where you're so proud. So there's these inner giants giants on the inside of our life that we have to overcome in our life. And Saul, he could not overcome the inner giant of insecurity in his life. David was able to face the insecurities in his own life, and he was able to kill those giants. And in fact, once insecurity wrapped its ugly tentacles around Saul's heart, everything Saul did Every decision that Saul made, every move that Saul made was directed by his inner insecurity. We find it happening in 1 Samuel chapter 13 when God tells Samuel to go out into battle. And the Bible says that God specifically told Samuel to tell Saul that he was not to sacrifice, but that was left to the prophet and the priest. The Bible says seven days went by. And Samuel did not come to to make a sacrifice before the men of God would go out to war. And so the Bible says that Saul became impatient because he saw the men scattering. Look at me. Listen to me. Insecurity in your life will cause you to get ahead of God in your life. Come on. Insecurity in your life will cause you to do things that God has never called you to do. It'll it'll cause you to get ahead of the will of God in your life. And the Bible says that Saul, he sacrificed that which was only to be done by the prophet and the priest. We find that again in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where the Bible tells God, says to the people of Israel, I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. Why? Because the Amalekites, they existed to do one thing, wipe out the Israelites. And God knew that if Saul wasn't obedient to wipe out the Amalekites completely, that they would come back and destroy the people of Israel. Haman is from the line of the Amalekites. And so we understand that Saul was to be obedient and wipe out everyone, including the king. But the Bible says that Saul did, did, he went out to war and he destroyed most of the Amalekites, but he, he held back some of the sheep and goat and livestock. But worse than that, he held back killing the king. And the Bible says that he came and he brought the king into his palace. Now, I want you to know something. In those days when a king went out to war and he defeated the armies, he would never kill the king 
uh, right away. What he would do is take the king, he'd bring him, and he would actually prance him through the streets of his kingdom near the palace, and he would make a spectacle of the king, triumphing over the king, saying, I am better than this king, and I've destroyed his armies, and now I'm humbling this king. But God said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to destroy him. I don't want you to bring him uh, back to Jerusalem. But because Saul was filled with insecurity, he had to build himself up, and he kept the king alive. Because of his insecurity, he disobeyed the Lord. And now the Bible says as a result of that, the kingdom was torn away from Saul. Because the higher the responsibility, the greater the responsibility to do what God calls you to do. And so the Bible says that the kingdom was taken from him. And God said to Samuel, I want you to anoint David because he's a man after my own heart. And he will obey me unlike Saul who disobeyed us. And so the Bible tells us that now the spirit of the Lord's departed from Saul, and now Saul becomes jealous of David simply because God was blessing David. And so insecurity begins to take hold of Saul's heart. I'm here to tell you this afternoon that many of us wrestle with some kind of insecurity in our life. And if you and I will finish well in our life, we will have to overcome the giant of insecurity in our life. My friend, make no mistake, insecurity in your life will rob you from the inner peace and the joy and the purpose that God has for your life. You see, the truth is the reason why Saul disobeyed God was because he loved the praises of men more than he loved the praises of God. He lived off of the compliments and applause of men more than he loved the the applause of God in his life. So what are some signs of an insecure person? Well, number one, an insecure person spends a lot of their time comparing themselves to other people. Wow, it's going to get a little hot in here. Insecure people fear strong people and gifted people. Insecure people are only able to feel comfortable around people who need them. Now, I want to tell you that as a pastor, I struggle at times with insecurity. How many of you in this room, you struggle with insecurity from time to time? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you, you you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for lying. (laughs) Let me do that again. Let me give you another opportunity, all right? How many of you struggle with insecurity in, in, in some part of your life, somewhere in your life? Yeah. I'm speaking to the right crowd this morning, this afternoon. Hmm? We all struggle with an insecurity in our life. And I want to be honest with you. There are times when I struggle with insecurity in my life. Growing up without a father, growing up in the home that I had, my mother loved me dearly. But but going through life without somebody like a father figure in my life has created some insecurities in my life. And I'm just going to be honest about it. The first step to becoming a secure person is to be honest about what you struggle with. And so we all struggle with some kind of insecurity in our life. And did you know that pastors tend to be some of the most insecure people? Why? Because pastors need to be needed by other people. Pastors go into the ministry because they, they want to bless people. They want to take care of people. I, I kind of feel like, in a lot of ways, a pastor is like a mother. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a pastor wants to you know, feed people and take care of people and, and, and be there for people, you know, and, and encourage people and nurture people. It's just like a mom, right? So if you're a mom, you know what it's like. You know, when you, when you have a child and you pour yourself into that child and the first day that kid gets on the bus, you have a real crying time, you know, like, my son is growing up, you know, and, 
Then, then your son says, Ma, you don't have to walk me to the bus anymore. I'm 20 years old, you know. <laughs> no, 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 you have to, you know. Mom, you don't have to call me 15 times a day. I'm 45 years old. You know, but, you know, as a mom, we just, we just always want to be wanted. We, 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 we want to be needed. And I, I think that's the same thing as pastors. We always want to be needed. We want people to, 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 to stay around us. We want to protect them. And so, so insecurity can, can, can start to fester in our hearts when, when we want to be needed, when we need to be needed. Insecure people need to control everyone in their world. Insecure people build cases against people in their mind to feel better about themselves. I don't know about you, but I've done that a couple of times, you know. It's like, well, you know, and they, uh, you know, and I start to think about things in my mind to make myself feel better because I'm feeling insecure about myself. Insecure people take people's compliments of others as an insult to themselves. Wow. Insecure people think me instead of us. Insecure people are overly self-conscious. Insecure people have a really hard time celebrating when somebody else succeeds or gets something good in their life. I have to admit, there are times, you know, when I see another pastor and they get that building that I've been wanting for a long time. You know, and I'm like, yes, praise the Lord, pastor. <laughs> you know, you know, when that person gets a raise at work, you know, and, and you were the person that thought you were going to get the raise, and they come to you, they're so excited that they got the raise, and, and they tell you they got the raise, and it was supposed to be your raise or that promotion. You're like, yes, sister. Oh, wonderful. You know, because we tend to, we want to be happy for others, don't we? We, we do. We feel convicted when we're not, but, but it's, that, it's that insecurity that, that kicks in. On the other hand, secure people, they celebrate others. Secure people are comfortable around gifted, more powerful people. Secure people love empowering people. They live to empower people. When they get something, they want to share it with other people. When they learn something, they want to give it to other people. When, when they're blessed with something, they want to share it. S secure people spend a lot of time thinking about the destiny of other people. Not their own destiny at times, but the destiny of other people. How can I help someone else get to where they need to be? Secure people see themselves as a catalyst to the destiny of others. Secure people love themselves and are comfortable with who they are. Now, they don't love themselves in an unholy way, but they just accept the fact, this is who I am, and I love who I am. This is what I do, and I love what I do. This is the place that God has put me in life. Secure people believe with all their heart that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. Secure people believe with all their heart that many of the plans of a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails in their life. Secure people believe that God, he started the work inside of them, and God will finish the work. Come on, somebody. Secure people believe that promotion comes from the Lord. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Secure people are, are vulnerable about their weaknesses and their flaws and their constraints. They're, they're not afraid to confess that they have weaknesses and, and, and things in their life that they're still working towards in their life. Secure people enjoy seeing others honored. Secure people live in peace. Insecure people are always living in inner turmoil. But secure people live in peace. 
So how do we overcome insecurities in our life? For the next few moments, and we're going to have an incredible water baptism, but, but I, I want to talk about this in the light of water baptism as well. But, but how do we overcome insecurity in our life? Let me see those hands again. Let's be honest. How many of you struggle with insecurity in your life? Let me see your hands. All right. Thank you very much for being honest. All right. Good. Good. I, 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 have, a, I have a rock somewhere here. Here it is right here. It's an identity rock, okay? It's an identity rock. Be careful. If you fall asleep. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We got to remind ourselves of who we are. Remember, David picked up one of those rocks, and it was the identity rock. So today, we're going to pick up the identity rock. So I, wanna, I want you to write this down because, listen to me, you only remember 15% of what I tell you every Sunday, 15%. And if you're older, it gets a little bit less. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you write it down, you'll remember it. So I want you to write this down. Number one, security is really a trust issue. Security, everybody say with me, security is really a trust issue. Security is a trust issue in our heart. What do I mean by that? Personal security is rooted in placing your trust in something greater, bigger than yourself. You see, fear equals insecurity. And insecurity is always rooted in fear. Being afraid of what people are going to think about you. Being afraid to fail. You see, all insecurity is actually rooted in fear. Think of the word secure. What does it mean? It means feeling safe, being safe. Think of the word insecure, feeling unsafe, being afraid of the future, being afraid of what people will say or do, being afraid of failure in our life. Now, notice David. David Contrary to, to Saul, David decides whenever he's feeling insecure, and David felt insecure. Listen to me. You're not unspiritual. You're not ungodly if you struggle with insecurity in your life. All of us will struggle with an insecurity in our life for whatever reason. Some of us will struggle with an insecurity in our life because it's rooted to our past. Some of us will struggle with insecurity in our life because we recognize that we're human beings and we're going to fail. Some of us will struggle with insecurity in our life because of things people said over us in our life. Words. Be careful, parents. Be careful of the words that you use towards your children because words either bring life or death. And some of us, we tell our children that they're never going to amount to anything. Some of us, as adults now, we remember when people spoke negative over our life. And we struggle with those insecurities in our life. David struggled with insecurity, even though he was a man after God's own heart. But he was able to, to destroy. He was able to conquer the insecurity in his life. Notice David and Saul. Saul's on the mountain. The giant comes out, and the giant begins to say to Saul in the army, I defy you. I defy your God. I mock your God. Send the man out. And Saul is stricken with insecurity and fear, and it paralyzes his life. Insecurity will paralyze you as a human being. And the Bible says that now Saul doesn't want to go down and face the giant in his life. But notice David. David sees the giant. 
He's, he's afraid. Anybody seeing a giant that big is afraid. But David is able to overcome his insecurity. How? He runs to the giant. Notice what he says to the giant. He says to the giant, you put your trust in a sword. You put your trust in a spear. But I put my trust in God alone. Listen to me. The way that you overcome fear in your life, the way that you overcome insecurity in your life, is you begin to trust God with all your heart, and you don't lean on your own self. You don't lean on your own understanding. You don't lean on your own abilities to do things. Listen to me. I, I read up a little bit on security and self-identity, self-awareness. And, and the world will tell you that if you want to be a self-confident person, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in the qualities that you have in yourself. That's always a dead end. Listen to me. It's not wrong to celebrate what God has put inside of you. But listen to me. If you are simply believing in yourself, if you're simply believing in what you can accomplish, you're going to fail. You're going to falter. There are going to be times when you don't feel confident. That's why you've got to look a little higher. You don't depend on yourself. You depend on somebody that's perfect. You, you depend on somebody that never fails. You depend on somebody that's strong enough, that's wise enough. You depend on a sovereign God that's bigger than any situation in your life. So David is not depending on himself. David says to the giant, you depend on, you put your trust in swords and spears, but I depend on the mighty God. I depend on the name of the Lord my God. Friend, I want to tell you today, you're secure security is wrapped up in who God is. Hallelujah. Your security is wrapped up in a God that will never fail you. He's a God that is a sovereign God. He's a God that's a wise God. He's a God that knows all things. And when you fail, when you don't feel good about yourself, when you fail miserably, you can run back to God and God will speak into your life because he never changes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I choose to put my trust in God. And as long as I'm trusting in a mighty God, I find my self-image or my Christ image in him. That's powerful. He never fails us. So secondly, we find our identity not in who we are, but in who he is. We find our identity in Christ. That's powerful. We don't have a self-image. We have a Christ image. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And if, if you notice something about Paul the apostle, you've got Saul in the Old Testament, you've got Saul in the New Testament. You've got Saul, who never could be transformed into a Paul. You've got Paul, who goes from a Saul to a Paul. That's really important. Now, I want you to know that Paul struggled at times with his, his, his identity, there were times when Paul was questioned. People would question his apostleship. People would question his integrity, his character, his abilities. I mean, if you don't, you don't believe that, just, just look in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and you'll, find, you'll find the man that was struggling at times with his own sense of identity. And he has to work through that. And how does Paul work through his sense of identity in his life? Well, I want you to notice that Paul the Apostle says that the way that he chose to work through the insecurity of his life was to embrace the identity of Christ. Now, I want to tell you something today, those that are getting water baptized today. Paul the Apostle tells us in Romans chapter 6, 
Should we continue on sinning that grace would abound? He said, God forbid that we should continue on sinning. He says, but we should understand that, listen to what he says, we should understand that we were baptized into his death and we were raised to new life. He says, you have been united with Christ. Look at me. You've been united with Christ in in his death. You've been united with Christ in his resurrection. Praise the Lord. So Paul the apostle says, I find my identity in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That I have become one with Christ. I've become one with Christ in his death, and I've become one with Christ in his resurrection. And so Paul the apostle tells us in Philippians chapter 3, all the things that seem to be of my profit, he says, I consider them like dung compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus and to be found in him. And to be found in him. So our identity is not found in who we are. Our, our identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, Paul the apostle embraces now the identity of Christ And he recognizes that in Christ, he's set free from pleasing people. In Christ Jesus, Paul is set free from doing things to please others. Why? Because he found his identity, his entire identity in the person of Jesus Christ. The secret was to be found in Christ. In Christ, Paul found no condemnation. He says in Romans chapter 8, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, Paul found that he was a new creation, created in Christ to do good works. In Christ, Paul always enjoyed peace with God. In Christ, Paul found completeness. The Bible says in Christ, we are complete in Christ. And not only that, but that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine that? We become the rightness of God found in Christ Jesus. In Christ, Paul found grace, enough grace for every problem, for every struggle and every sin and every shortcoming in his life. In Christ, Paul found love that was eternal. As the Bible says, nothing shall separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. In Christ, all the blessings of all of who he was, was found completely in Christ. So he didn't have to try to find his self-worth in doing anything other than being found in Christ. Listen to me. Maybe this afternoon you're struggling with insecurity in your life. Sometimes deep down in your heart you feel like a Saul, always needing the approval of someone in your life. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's other people, whoever it is. Always hiding behind the mask. Always being afraid of rejection. Always being afraid you won't measure up to other people's expectations. Never being able to say no to people. Listen to me, people that are getting water baptized this morning. If you are going to live for Christ and be pleasing to God, when you go into this tank today, you need to recognize that you're dying to yourself and that you're coming up. It has already occurred in your life spiritually, now you understand that it becomes a, a powerful illustration of what's already happened in your life. You died with Christ, now you find all of your identity in Christ. If you're going to be pleasing to God, you need to embrace your full identity in Christ. That means he's Lord of every area of your life. That means you make him 
the center of all your affections in your life. And when you fail, you find that there's no condemnation in Christ. When you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you and you get up. And so we find our identity in Christ. If you're struggling this afternoon with finding your identity, let go of trying to find your identity in what people think about you. Let go of trying to find your identity in doing more and find your identity in the God who loves you unconditionally. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Find your identity in the God who died for you unconditionally, who accepts you unconditionally, who keeps you unconditionally, who sees you as perfect unconditionally through his son, Jesus Christ. Number three, stop. Don't do it. Stop worrying about what people think or say about you. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. It's a trap from the enemy. Somebody once said, I can't tell you the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. Wow. Someone once said, you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realize how seldom they really do. I love this one. Care about what other people think, and you will always be their prisoner. Wow. Care, live your life. Caring about what other people say and think about you, and you'll always be their prisoner. You'll always be worried about what they feel about you, so you'll always try to do things to get their applause, to get them to like you. And as a result of that, you will be their prisoners because one day, I have a newsflash for you, one day people will love you, the next day they might hate you. That's just the truth. I've learned a long time ago as a pastor that I'm just as good as my last sermon. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but, I, but I have to learn to deal with the fact that not everyone's going to love me. In fact, the Bible says that if you do the will of God, there's going to be some people that are not going to love you, that you're going to be persecuted just because you're a Christ follower. And that's why you've got to recognize that if you're going to do the will of God, you can't look for the applause of people because it's not always going to be there. I remember one Sunday morning, and bless her heart, she was a dear sister in the Lord. And I'm not saying this so that you can come over to me after and say, that was a good sermon. I'm really listening to you. Listen. But I'll never forget, I preached my guts out three times, and this woman came over to me, and I think she was trying to say, she was trying to make a point, but man, did she blow it, man. So she came over to me after the service, and I just poured my heart out, you know, and just, you know, really, really just preached, and just wanted to encourage everybody, and, and, I, and I finished, and she comes right over to me after the sermon, she goes, how do you do it? I'm like, how do I do what? She goes, how do you do it? I said, do what? She goes, how do you preach three times, pour your heart out, and the people don't even listen to you? I said, thank you. That was great. That was so encouraging, you know. Thank you for encouraging me. But, you know, I went home and I thought about it. I went home and I thought about it. You know what I've concluded? I've concluded if nobody hears me, if nobody listens to me, I need to be obedient to God. I need to bring my best every Sunday. I need to preach my guts out every Sunday. And the truth of the matter is, it's not up to me. The Bible says that even God speaks and some people don't listen to him. Come on, somebody. And if God's the best preacher, the God's the best parent, God's the best father, he's got more messed up kids than anybody else, then I'm okay. See, but if we're trying to always get the, win the approval of people, it's just a trap. We'll be a prisoner. Somebody said the only thing wrong with trying to please everyone is that there's always at least one person who will remain unhappy with you. Hallelujah. I've learned that a long time ago. 
that we can't make everyone happy in our life, and the fear of man becomes a snare. Fourthly, learn to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's word on a daily basis. You see, here's the truth. The truth is you speak to yourself more than anyone else does. And what you say to yourself is going to actually determine how you feel about yourself. How many of you have ever called yourself stupid? Let me see your hand. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself, ah, you're such a dummy. Why'd you do that? We talk to ourselves. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, Abbott and Costello. Anybody ever watch Abbott and Costello? Let's see all the old people in the room. <laughs> Abbott and Costello, 1130 on Sunday morning. Sometimes I used to... I used to lie to my mom I was sick, but I wanted to watch Abbott and Costello on Sunday morning instead of going to church. Abbott and Costello, funny, funny. So, so Abbott was kind of the, the mean one. He was kind of the one who's always telling Costello what to do. And so one day, Costello's just, he's just, he's just driving him crazy. They're in the house. And, and Abbott says to Costello, go outside and go outside and entertain yourself. And, and Costello said, I don't have anything to do. He said, just go outside and talk to yourself. He said, I can't talk to myself. He said, why can't you talk to yourself? Because every time I talk to myself, I get stupid answers. Uh, you had to be there, I guess. I don't know. But, but what kind of answers do you get when you talk to yourself? Do you hear yourself telling you that you're dumb, that you can't make it, that you're never going to make it, that you're not good enough, that you don't measure up? You know, most of the time, the devil doesn't talk to you. You talk to yourself, and the devil says amen. So you need to shut him up. And how do you shut up the devil who wants to tell you that you're no good, that you're never going to accomplish anything in your life, that you're not worthy, that you don't measure up. You need to do that by finding out what God says about you. And you need to write it down. I want to give you an assignment. Get some three-by-five cards, and I want you to go in the Bible, and I want you to write down all the things that God says about you. You are the apple of God's eye. You are the head and not the tail. You're blessed going in, and you're blessed going out. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, my Lord. You're a king and a priest, and I want you to write those things down on a three-by-five card. And, man, when the devil starts to speak into your ear or when you start to speak to yourself in your ear, I want you to whip out that card, and I want you to renew your mind, and I want you to change the channel, and I want you to remind yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Be transformed. Keep digging into God's Word. Keep learning who you are in God's Word. Keep reminding yourself who you are from God's Word. Put Scripture everywhere you can so that you can understand who you are. Be who you are. Celebrate who you are and what you do, not who you're not and what you cannot do. Because every one of us in this place have been created uniquely by God. And, and yeah, the truth of the matter is some of us, we're not a 10-talent person. You know, I had a pastor one time, a dear friend of mine, my mentor. I'll never forget when he told me this. It, it literally set me free. He said to me, Steve, you may never be a Billy Graham. You may never be as popular or famous as Billy Graham. You may never be as popular and famous as some of the other preachers. He said, you might have not even been given that many talents in your life. He says, just be happy that God's given everyone a certain amount of talents and use them to the fullest that you can for the glory of God. Because you're not ever going to be responsible for the talents you have not received. You're just going to be responsible for the talents that you have received. Come on, somebody. And here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. If you'd stop focusing on what you can't do 
and start focusing on what you can do, you'll see that God will begin to give you success in the area that God has fashioned and designed you to be. Come on, get out there and start doing what God's called you to do. And lastly, and probably most importantly, as we get ready to baptize folks in the Lord, as the worship team would come, learn to forgive yourself. Learn to receive God's forgiveness for your life and learn to forgive yourself. Because let me tell you something, the thing that will rob your sense of identity more than anything else is your past failures. And some of you in this room, you struggle so much in your life because you have failed in the past. You have sinned. You've made some mistakes in your life, whatever it might be. And every time you try to feel better about yourself, you're reminded of your past. Paul says, the way that I deal with my past is I forget what is behind and I press on. And we've got we've to recognize in all of our lives that we failed. Some of us have failed as fathers. And you're constantly reminded of your failure. And you're constantly reminded that you have made mistakes in your life. And as a result of that, you just, you're so down on yourself. The Bible says you take that failure and you throw it in the sea of forgetfulness never to remember it again. As far as the east is from the west, God has removed your sin from you. Never to remember it again. The next time the devil, the next time you remind yourself of your past, remind the enemy of his future, and remind yourself that your past is under the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven completely. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I want you to bow your heads today. And I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're, you're here today and you're struggling with your own sense of identity today. I want to pray for you. Just bow your heads. Close your eyes for a moment. Just between you and God today. Thank you so much. I, I realize today is probably... There's a lot of guests in our house today. There's a lot of wonderful people. You've come to see your grandson, your relative, your daughter, your son, somebody, brother, sister, get water baptized. And you've come out of respect for somebody. But I want you to know something. You're here today. You're not here by accident. You're here because God orchestrated for you to be here today to hear this message because God wants you to know that he loves you. God, your Father in heaven, wants you to know that he loves you so much. That he sent his only son, as the Bible says. Jesus loves you so much that he came of his own free will. And he died on the cross for your sins. Not so that you can live the rest of your life being afraid of who you are and your failures in your life. But so that that sin could be wiped away, washed clean, so that you could find your identity in a God who loves you so much. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has given you the greatest gift of all, eternal life through his son. The Bible says, to as many as received him, God has given us the right to become children of God. So when you receive Christ as your Savior, you become a child of God. What, 
better identity could you have than child of God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I'm struggling with my faith. Pastor, I, I came today out of respect, but I struggle with who I am or I struggle with who, who God is in my life. And I need, I need to let God have control of my life again. One step at a time, I need God to control my life. I need to turn my life over to God again. I want you to just, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. And this is between everyone that's in this room, God and me. And you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want God to take control of my life again. I want you to raise your hand today. I want to pray for you right now. I just want to pray for you this week. Pray for you right now. God, take control of my life, God. God, I want to know you better. I want to know you more, God. Even in the balcony, maybe you're in the overflow today, wherever you are watching via live stream. I want to pray a simple prayer for you today. And, and after the service today, if you're raising your hand, after the service today, if you're raising your hand, I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. Would you stop by? And this kind of, this kind of will determine, this will this kind of be a, 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 a gauging of whether you're really serious or not, but we're going we're gonna to ask the people at, at, the, at the back in the hospitality center, at the desk, they're going to have some information for you. They're going to have packets of information. And in that packet of information, there's a, there's a small little book. And that book will, will help you in your journey of faith. I want you to go to the back, and I want you to get one of those. It's a gift packet that we want to give you so that you can understand your faith more, so that you can be connected to God more, so that you can grow in your faith. Because, you know, raising your hand is awesome. It's cool that you raised your hand, but now you need, to, you need to do something about it. You need to say, yes, God, I want you to, to be in control of my life. And the first thing you need to do is learn about God, learn who He is, and learn what He wants for you in your life. And this booklet, small little booklet's going to help you do that's free. We just want to give it to you. So you can grow. So after the service today, if you raised your hand, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you say, yeah, I just want God to control my life, I want you to go to the back. You'll see the, the hospitality desk in the foyer. It's going to get a little crowded, but make your way to the desk and say, hey, I'd like that information packet that Pastor Steve was talking about. Can I have it? And they'll give it to you free. They'll just, they want to give that to you so that you can grow a little bit more in your faith. But I want everybody in this room to pray this simple prayer with me right now. It's a prayer of dedication to the Lord. So can we pray together, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am, dying for me when I was a sinner. God, I ask you today that you would forgive me of my sins, be the Lord of my life, and may I find my identity completely in you. Lord, thank you that you love me with an eternal love and you accept me unconditionally. Take my heart, God. Come on, tell me. Tell him, take my heart, God. And bless me today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. How many of you in this room, you struggle with insecurity? Let me see your hands. You ready? We're going to pray a prayer of security right now. If you've got your hands up, I want you to say it with me. Thank you, God.
that I am a child of God, that I cannot be separated from God, that I'm blessed, that God, you have a plan for my life, and it's big. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we're going to ask now that the baptismal candidates are here. Um, before we even start, let's just do one thing. How many of you are excited that there's people here today, young people, older people today, that have decided that they want to follow Jesus and they want to give their life fully to the Lord? Come on, give it up for them right now. Come on, give it up for them. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to call up four at a time. Call up four at a time. And, and by the way, this is a celebration, all right? So this is celebrating people who recognize what Christ did in their life, and they recognize that Christ is Savior and Lord of their life. They're not perfect, but they're recognizing what Christ has done in their life. So every couple of baptismal candidates, we're going to sing. When we sing, we're going to celebrate. Amen? So you can stand up. You can rejoice. You can clap. And let's, have, let's enjoy what God's doing in their life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Up, ne up next, we, hello. Accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes. You promise to live for Him all your days. Yes. 
And I now baptize you based upon your profession of faith in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. You promise to live for him all your days? Yes. And upon the profession of your faith, I now baptize you in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And will you live for him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on the profession of your faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Liana Wilson. accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And will you live for him all the days of your life? Yes. Based on the profession of your faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
for him all the days of your life. Yes. Based on the profession of your faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Amelia. Come on over, Amelia. And uh, I was going to baptize myself this morning, but I have a cold, and I didn't want to get in the tank this morning. Um, but um, I'm so proud of Amelia. And uh, so Amelia's asked me to be a part of the ceremony, and so I just want to pray a blessing over her today. Amelia, have you given your life to Jesus? You recognize that Jesus saved you by his grace and grace alone. Amen? Amen. And so by the authority of God, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is Vinny. I know Vinny since he was a teenager. Amen. Come on in, Vinny. Vinny has been around a long time, and I'm so thankful that Vinny has chosen today to be water baptized. Amen. And Dad, where's Dad? Where's Dad? I saw Dad around somewhere. There he is. All right. Where's Dad? Amen. Vinny, have you given your life to Jesus? Yes, I have. All right. Tell the crowd a little bit about what God's doing in your life. So I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. The things that got me to this place, um, you know, they, they weren't always good things. Sometimes bad things bring you to God, and uh, I'm just really happy for that. Um, I just want to be delivered from the evil one, and I just want to have my new identity in God and have, be under his authority. Hey, Vinny, look at me. Listen, I want to tell you something. God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you. You abandon yourself. You abandon yourself to the will of God in your life. And God is going to use you in a great way. And so, by God's authority, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I understand uh, we, got, uh, we have uh, a lot of... Uh, Carola Maliali Indian folks here with us today and boy do I love them amen and um, so and we're gonna sing a song today because we're multicultural amen and uh, so George is gonna lead us in a Maliali song today all right how many are excited about singing a Maliali song today amen praise the Lord so George lead us come on put your hands together
Because all he's saying is hallelujah. So, so let's sing it in Spanish now. Hallelujah. Let's sing it in English. No, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Amen. Give it up for Dallas. Now, Dallas, what, what actually, what were you saying? Uh, victory in Jesus, I think. Um, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus. Yes. Amen. Victory in Jesus. And all the Indian folks said, Stotram. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stotram. Literally, me being up here is pointless. <laughs> this is Zach. And Zach, how old are you? 13. Amen. Praise the Lord. Zach, I know you love the Lord very, very much. Amen. And have you come to that place in your life that you know that you're saved by grace? Don't have to work for it. All you have to do is receive it and live it out. And the day that you gave your life to Jesus, you were born again, and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And I'm praying a blessing over your life today. I'm praying that you will remember that God is everything that you need in your life, and you'll be a, a, a warrior for the kingdom of God one day at a time. Amen? And so now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we baptize you. This is Mark, Zach's brother. How old are you, Mark? How old are you, Mark? Uh, 14. 14. He's 13. You're 14? Your parents were busy. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, Mark, do you love Jesus? Yes. You've accepted him as your Savior and Lord? Yes. You know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you now, right? Yes. You are born again by the power of the Spirit. Amen? And as a result of that, God wants to make you a young warrior for his kingdom. There's going to be a lot of temptation in this world, but you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, and God is going to bless you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And so you've given your life to the Lord. Do you want to share anything with the folks? Amen. Praise God. And now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we baptize you. Amen. Amen. This is Joshua. Amen. Sam, how you doing out there, all right? Any of your buttons bust yet from being so proud of your son? Amen. Praise the Lord. Joshua, do you want to share anything with the folks? Yeah, so hi, everyone. Uh, before I talk about my reasoning for baptism, I just want to extend a couple of thank yous. So I'm thankful for each and every single one of you for being here today for me and witnessing uh, my ultimate, like, 
dedication for God and that he's gonna have eternal reign over my life. And so I'm thankful for all of you. And I know that some of my friends are watching via live stream and I have a lot of family members who traveled far distances to come here. So I'm thankful for all of you. Uh, secondly, I have to thank my sisters. Uh, my sisters are probably the epitome of being annoying, but <laughs> I can't thank them enough. They really are role models in my life and we really have become a lot closer. And they, without their advice, I definitely would not be the same person that I am today. And so I'm really thankful for them. Uh, I also have to thank this church, Bethlehem Assembly of God, with Pastor Steve being such a great pastor and showing like ultimate dedication to Jesus through like all of his preaching and BYC with Vinny. And I have a lot of leaders here today who have really helped me like understand God more in depth. I understand him to a different level now and I wouldn't be able to be here right now if it wasn't for BYC and my BYC friends there. Um, I also have to thank my parents. I'm forever in debt to them because my parents really show me what it means to be on fire for God. My dad and my mom both have different ways of teaching me that. My mom tries to protect me from the world while my dad teaches me about it. And I'm so thankful for both of them because they always, because <laughs> they're, they're always here to uh, show me what it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm so thankful for them. And finally, my ultimate reason for baptism and my final thank you is because of God, because God has truly shown me such amazing mercy and grace, and I hope that I can extend that grace to other people around the world. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Next, next week, you're preaching, brother. What? Have you given your life to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Yes. You recognize you're saved by grace and grace alone. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You just have to receive it and live in it. Amen? Vinny, would you lead us? Based on the profession of your faith, Josh, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the privileges of being a pastor and being in the same church for a while is you get to dedicate children to the Lord. And you get to see them water baptized. Hopefully you get them, see them get married one day and have children. He's, this dude's like, don't rush it. <laughs> but it's a wonderful honor and privilege today to see this young boy who loves Jesus with all of his heart. Holding him in my arms when he was a little infant today saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. That's the way it should happen. Amen. TJ, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? You love him? You know he loves you. You don't have to work for salvation. All you have to do is accept it and live in it. Amen. Are you ready to do that? Vinny, would you lead us? the Lord. Amen. Jesus, we thank you that you don't just save us and redeem us and give us an identity worth having and allow ourselves to just sit in 
isolation and to sit by ourselves and just to live life as an individual, God. But you have given us a personal faith, but you have not given us a private faith, God. And we thank you that we can gather together and we can celebrate people coming into our family. We can celebrate people coming to know you, dedicating their entire lives to you, God. We thank you that our family goes deeper than blood. It goes deeper than the culture that we were born into. It goes deeper than the people that we speak the same language with, God. But this is a picture of the kingdom of God where we can come together and we can celebrate different races. We can celebrate different nationalities. We can celebrate different people groups together, all ages, all races, all ways of, of looking, God. And, and we can be united in you and you alone. So Jesus, we thank you that this afternoon we celebrate, we celebrate, God, we celebrate these people that were baptized. We celebrate what you have done in their lives. And for those of us that have done this before, would you bring back to our memory the joy that that felt? Would you remind us the dedication and the devotion that we gave you? God, some of us have been baptized years ago and we've walked back on that baptism, we've walked back on what we've declared and what we've promised. And Jesus, we pray today that if we raise our hands earlier, that we would walk faithfully in the identity that you have given us. And those of us that were hesitant in raising our hands after seeing the baptism, after seeing lives transformed, after hearing stories, would we feel compelled by your spirit to give more and more of ourselves to you? Jesus, we thank you that we get to end today on a celebration, God. Would you keep us, would you bless us, and would you take us to all the corners of this world so that others may come to know you and be a part of the family that you are creating. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Don't forget, if you raised your hand to give Christ Lord of your life, just go in the back and receive that packet of information. If you're our guest for the first time, please go to the hospitality desk. We have a special gift for you as well. Don't forget, God has a plan for your life, and it's big. We love you guys. Have a great day in Jesus.